Welcome to the MBS Podcast. The MBS Podcast is brought to you by Yimby Eugene Springfield. YMBS is a nonprofit devoted to making housing more affordable for all residents of our cities. YMBY stands for Yes in My Backyard because we stand for the idea of welcoming diversity into our neighborhoods across all spectrums, including race, socioeconomic status, and housing types. We'll be discussing housing politics and policy on this podcast from a wide array of perspectives. So if you know anyone who might want to make their voice heard, please reach out to us, yimbyes at gmail.com. That's Y-I-M-B-Y-E-S at gmail.com or visit us at yimbyes.org. Also, please note that the opinions of the guests on our show represent their own personal beliefs. They do not speak for or on behalf of the organizations they work for or volunteer their time. My name is Daniel Ivey. I'm the Yimby Eugene Springfield Board President, and I'm joined today by Julie Fisher with Kajito. So thanks for being on the show today. Um, I want to uh, kind of get started for those of you that might not know about what Kajito is or what they, they sort of do. Uh, I want to kind of get to know you a little bit, Julie. And so talk to me about kind of, you know, your background, how you got involved with, um, you know, planning and, and these various projects that affect the way our city is growing. We have been working in Eugene. We're a small business um, owned by three partners, Chris Wachi, Ellen Tenanti, and myself. We've been working in the community, gosh, for a really long time. Um, I saw you had like a combined 60 years of experience I know, or something I know. wild like that. Yeah. And we have to revise that, you know, uh-huh. every year. Right, sure. <laughs> um, so really uh, 12, 12 to uh, 13 years together. And I've lived in Eugene for a really long time. I came here to go to school. I have a master's in urban and regional planning and our work is really to connect the public to decision-making and projects and communications uh, in our community and in other communities. So we do public involvement, we do public education, we do communications, we work with jurisdictions, cities, counties, utilities, and it is an amazing opportunity to try on a very small local level to represent democracy in decision making and get all voices to the table and allow decision makers to make fully informed decisions, um, some of them small and some of them huge mm-hmm. in relation to our community. Yeah, it seems like you do a really good job of, of reaching out. I, I don't know how I got onto your radar, but uh, I think it was because I was on Housing Policy Board for the for when I uh, joined in the conversation about um, the revitalization of the park blocks, um, which you guys are, are working on, the, the Down Square project. So, so that's really exciting. Um, so uh, I, I, w- I want to spend some time talking about the uh, the River Road Santa Clara Neighborhood Plan, but um, uh, so yeah, we can we can kind of dive into that, and then and then we can leave some time with those other you know projects that you want to kind of discuss. What what I'm really interested in uh, sort of learning about with this plan is you know. I mean, one of the things that I've heard a lot about River Road Santa Clara in general is that it feels like disconnected from the rest of Eugene. Is that kind of accurate? Is that sort of the mindset behind why we want to um, look at, uh, you know, developing or be more conscientious about it out there? I think River Road in Santa Clara has had uh, its own journey. It's a combination of um, county property and city property. And I think the residents have a really strong sense of community and 
through that they have a vision and have been working toward that vision for years and years. And this is something that brings the county and the city, businesses, residents together to look toward how, how we can actually get there um, in terms of land use, economics, transportation, community, economic development. I mean, those are sort of these big categories. They're a little wonky. Mm -hmm. um, but it's really about how the communities look, how they feel, how people can come together and um, lead the life they hope for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that's so interesting to me about that area, I mean, it's called River Road, but you don't really see the river like as you're driving through that part of town. Is that, I wonder if that's part of the, the goal is to make that more of a centerpiece of the of the area or to have it be so that you can actually get to the river more easily rather than it being in a bunch of backyards basically mm -hmm. is that is that kind of the some of the thought process behind it or is it more just about making it more walkable and more kind of um uh you know more of a its own self-sufficient kind of area without having to rely on downtown services I mean, River Road originally, it flooded every year. You know, before oh. they built the dams, it was like the river was in the road some of Got the years. So, so those communities have been dealing with natural processes for a while. And mm -hmm. definitely a part of the plan is, is looking for walking and biking access to the river and better signage so that people actually even know how to get to this amazing bike path. Right. Um, but the bike path right now kind of ends at Beltline. And so mm -hmm. one major hope for the communities is that that extends north through Santa Clara and um, eventually kind of creates the same kind of connection to the river in Santa Clara that River Road has now. Mm -hmm. So those walking and biking routes, high level of, um, focus and advocacy um, to improve in those areas for sure. Great. So, um, you know, our listeners don't have the benefit of having, you know, these lovely graphs and charts and things that we have in front of us here about what, what this looks like. But, but if you could give us kind of an overview of maybe what the plan is, and then you can kind of direct the listeners to where they can find out more about, um, about what is, you know, going into it and, and, you know, how, you know, how we hope to kind of develop it. I mean, you had a couple of, uh, or, or maybe one uh, listening session so far. I think there's been two so far where they, we've gotten people together to talk about it, or? You know, this started two years ago. Okay. We had a kind of a kickoff public meeting, very big picture. What do you love about your neighborhood? What do you hope for? We had developed a series of sort of cards and image. We had great activity and held it at North Eugene High School and four hundred people showed up wow wow it was unprecedented and that energy has you know and focus has persisted through the past two years and it went from sort of this big picture vision to now very specific vision goals policies actions in these five different topic areas so it is it's dialing into how what are the actions that can actually implement the plan? So specific stuff like for, for economic development, that sense of that River Road and Santa Clara would love to provide both 
you know, employment and housing. So how can home-based businesses be supported within the community? Are there things that can change to allow home-based businesses to grow and thrive in the neighborhood? Um, how can the River Road corridor look and feel more like a community center and mm -hmm. a place that people want to gather and go and bike to and not just sort of this, mm -hmm. you know, commercial strip anywhere USA. Right, right. How can the core areas in River Road and Santa Clara have certain kind of neighborhood character? They have roads that are lined with trees. They still almost feel like country roads. And mm -hmm. how do those roads both provide the services they need to and people can walk and bike on them, but you don't end up completely changing the character? How can we incorporate um, swales and natural stormwater systems and walking and biking mm -hmm. into roadway design. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of land use, how does the community accommodate future growth in the neighborhood? All neighborhoods in Eugene are looking at that difficult question right mm -hmm. now. And it's really this trade-off between, you know, do we expand into farmland? Do we take the land that feeds us? or do we densify? And so those questions are being asked and there's a survey online that looks at all the different actions for the neighborhood plan. But one, one key question still is, how will that happen in the corridor? Should it be kind of this narrower, denser corridor? Right. Or um, do you accommodate a variety of housing types in a, in a slightly right. larger area? Yeah. So those are interesting questions to yeah. ask the community. There's, yeah, and there's a lot to unpack there. Um, I think, uh, you know, certainly with the second plan, the, the latter plan, you have, um, you know, the recent passing of House Bill 2001 that should help a lot of the sort of densification organically because it's going to create in, in R1 zoning the ability to create more multi-unit housing and things like that. But um are there, um, you know, is there any opposition in these preliminary conversations to the idea of densifying? Because that, to me, is one of the, you know, things that we run into when we talk about nimbyism. A lot of people are really against the idea of, of becoming more dense, but there are so many things in terms of environmental impact, in terms of, um, you know, uh, having having people more densely located so that they can have better access to services. Um, that is that is so much better when you come at it from a, a land use and, and planning sort of mindset. So are, are there any voices that are just like, no, we definitely don't want to densify or, or are we approaching this in a way that we're trying to include, you know, as many voices and educate as much as possible? I think it's a pretty open conversation right now. I think the hard questions are around multifamily housing uh -huh. apartments and how they are included in our community in general and this is where you know i'm sort of veering into some personal feelings i feel sure, sure. about affordable housing and when you look and you realize that um almost 50 percent of households in eugene can only afford a thousand dollars a month so that conversation about affordability is essential and it's a really difficult conversation mm -hmm. to have and it's a different conversation than this concept of housing types 
So housing types, we talk a lot about middle housing. Mm -hmm. We talk a lot about townhouses and condos and duplexes and triplexes. Any new construction is outside the affordability zone mm -hmm. of 50% of Eugene with those kinds of housing forms. So housing forms allow for us to densify and it's a great thing for jurisdictions to do that because it reduces infrastructure costs mm -hmm. when you need to expand. And then jurisdictions can do things like support affordable housing for people that earn less than $1,000. And that affordable housing is multifamily. Mm -hmm. And so dividing this conversation into pieces and really understanding each piece that affordability is about multifamily. It's about ADUs in people's backyards. It's not about the townhouse that costs $350,000 to $400,000 to buy. And to do that, you need you know, over $60,000, $70,000, right, in income a year. But isn't it, um, I mean, I, I guess the, I mean, ADUs I think are a great option, but I don't see it. Uh, you know, and again, this is getting into personal opinions, but I don't see that ADUs alone are the answer. Like you need everything, right? Like you need all these different, I mean, it's, it's one, you know, like a city council, Alan says, it's one buck in the silver buckshot. You, there's no silver bullet solution. You need like this, this spread pattern. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's not the answer, but it is an answer, right? Like the, the, Absolutely. the, the different types of, housing. and I think really dialing into a sophisticated conversation about how each type of housing, what it provides, who it provides for, and what kind of problem it will solve mm -hmm. will go a really long way. Yeah. I mean, when you talk about homelessness, people start to think about, they are actually looking at an individual on the street in downtown Eugene. That's what they think of. They think of somebody with mental illness. Mm -hmm. They think of somebody with drug addiction. They think of somebody with alcoholism. Mm -hmm. Well, homelessness in our community, the homeless community is, that is such a small fraction. Yeah, and it's so interesting that you say those three things because even those three things need different solutions. The Well, I guess alcoholism and drug addiction are, are similar in terms of the services that that person needs, but mental illness is a totally different thing. It's, it's a, you know, I was recently talking to Chris McAllister, who's a big um, a homeless rights advocate in the city, and he, uh, we're actually hoping to get him on the podcast at some point here, but he, he, he had this sheet that I took a picture of. I don't have it in front of me right now, but it was basically um, just off the top of his head. He wrote down 20 different types of homeless individuals and sort of the thought process behind the fact that we need different types of services for each individual person. That's the same with housing. Like we need, you know, we need lots of a diverse array of solutions rather than just one right. solution for, for everything. And I'd like to correct my own language and say it's really, the conversation is about the unhoused community right. and the diversity of that community and what, Right, what can solve each individual mm -hmm. challenge. And so for a big section of the unhoused community, those families are not seen. They're sleeping on families' couches. Right. They are visiting friends for two or three months. They are, you don't realize the extent of the unhoused community. And those are the folks that are earning less than $25,000 a year. 
and you know how do we accommodate them in the future mm-hmm. it's one piece and then the other piece is like my kids like where are my kids gonna look right. um, they are renters and so addressing some of these really community prejudices around the concept of a, an individual who rents I, I've heard people stand up at city council and straight up say, I don't like renters. It's like, it's amazing the gall that people, it's like you're just cutting out like 51% of the population by saying, I mean, it's, you know, it's it's horribly prejudiced and it's, it's, a, it's a problem. Um, you know, more and more kids are staying at home. Uh, you know, um, uh, I mean, people talk about uh, millennials being lazy, but there's just no, I mean, it's, it's like the behavioral economics thing. People aren't stupid. The the circumstances are just difficult. You know that the yeah. world is just hard, and uh, and it's it's really hard for people to um to, to wrap their brains around that because they're they're looking at it through the lens of their own personal experience, right? They have got that like that NIMBY sort of like knee jerk reaction of like, right. well, you know, I I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps without realizing like that there was maybe some privilege involved, maybe some like economic factors that they're not taking into consideration, all those things. Yeah. Um, I want to get back to River Road a little bit um, because uh, one of the things that I've thought about with that area, and, and, I'm, and I'm curious about your take on it because of the work that you've done on it, are there unique challenges with developing an area um, out there because of the fact that there's like this mixture of city and county zoning? Um, because isn't, doesn't it get kind of patchwork like the farther out you get, like especially up into Santa Clara? Or are we talking more about just the parts that are incorporated into Eugene? You know, I think the question of um, between the jurisdictions is a lot less important than the vision the community has moving forward. Uh-huh. And many of the both the, the vision and the challenges to get there transcend jurisdictions and mm-hmm. are really about what are the actions to solve that problem. Yeah. And so when you look at walking and biking you're looking at in any community you're looking at the city the county the state um, and how do they work together to solve that problem and that's the case with economic development and land use it's the case with providing you know gathering places for the community so it really transcends those issues to a large degree Um, and and i and i think that the community leaders are doing pretty amazing job to continue to engage the community in that conversation without creating um, uh, divisive challenges. So there was a workshop in February. There was another one in June. Is there anything on the schedule on the horizon in terms of, you know, future conversations that we might want to mention or bring to people's attention? Right now, there's a survey online. And right. so if you go to the City of Eugene site and just Google River Road Santa Clara Neighborhood Plan. And I'll put that link in the notes there's, too. Yeah, so there's, there's a link and it would be great for folks to dial into that because it's really asking both some key questions and it's also showing some key actions the community mm-hmm. has talked about, you know, taking and getting an understanding of, of um level support for that Mm -hmm. and after that there is most definitely a fall meeting planned and we're working to exceed our our uh, original success with uh, 400 people and super excited about that so those details are 
forthcoming. On the way. Yeah. yeah, cool. So um, I guess I'm also curious, uh, when you put out a survey like that, what are the, I mean, do we want all opinions in there? Do we want to try to localize it to just people that are in that area? Like, what is the... What is the thought of that? I mean, you know, I mean, not that this podcast is super widespread or anything right. that we're, you know, we're not like on public radio or anything, but, um, but are, are all opinions sort of valuable when it comes to a survey like that? Even people that don't necessarily live in the area or? You know, one thing that Kajito tries really hard to do is um, get enough input to be able to represent the views of individuals who may not come to public meetings or may mm -hmm. not have the time to come to a hearing or testify or right. write. So within the survey, there's def demographic uh, questions. And so, you know, if we want to look at River Road in Santa Clara, 97404, we'll do that. We'll also see what other community members are thinking about. I think some of the ideas that are being considered and the actions could provide a roadmap for other communities mm -hmm. and other neighborhoods. So I think it's great for everybody to dial in and think about that. And um, and we'll we, and we're also doing direct outreach to communities that may not go online and fill out a survey. So that's an important piece. We're going to be walking up and down Good. River Road, talking to businesses in the next few weeks. We're going to talk to um, people in multifamily housing, all kinds of outreach that goes to the people and just doesn't expect others to come cool. down yeah. to city. It sounds like you guys are really adept at leveraging data and, and that's a uh... That's a huge part of, of, you know, these conversations. One of the things that I hear more and more about when we try to change hearts and minds around these issues is that, you know, like I sort of touched on earlier, making a moral argument, like you can get people to smile and nod. Like if you say this is the right thing to do, but you don't actually get any behavior to actually change. You really need to use data and, and educate if you want to actually get people to fully embrace the idea of, you know, change and, and inclusivity and all that stuff. I think data is good. Daniel, data is excellent, but I think what changes people also is a connection with mm -hmm. their neighbors. Yeah. And so I think a lot of the fear and anxiety has to do with our closed nature and the fact that we're working too hard and we don't have time to meet our neighbors, to, to socialize, and then we don't we don't have a way to communicate with them when they, you know, tear down a fence and don't put one back. What whatever it, it right. is. And so, you know, I think in terms of the neighborhood plan, one of the most amazing things has been an ongoing connection between neighbors and and an emphasis that that is such an important part of life. And so, making those personal connections and not forgetting that that's kind of like the the backbone yeah of our community mm -hmm. we've we've got to keep on <laughs> yeah i'm i'm glad that we've got an engaged and uh it sounds like um you know forward thinking uh group out in the river road area and it sounds like they're in good hands in terms of uh of planning um 
Do you have any other um, projects that you I mean you want to give some time to uh, that Kajito's working on? That I mean we've got um, we can kind of signal boost the upcoming um, uh, town square uh, party slash celebration slash what 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 what's going on next week? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, uh, the city is looking at uh, design concepts for the park blocks, mm-hmm. Eighth and Oak and um, planning some changes to the farmer's market block, including building a a permanent farmer's market structure Mm -hmm. on that block, as well as a new city hall, and then looking at the two Saturday market blocks for potential improvements. And Mm -hmm. this party on September 12th is sort of a look at a design, and we're totally encouraging everybody to come on down. We'll have dance performances, there'll be a DJ, dance floor, free shaved ice for everyone who dials Mm -hmm. in. Um, And we had 500 people to our last event. Mm -hmm. And that level of inclusivity, there were so many young people there. Cool. Right? And so many kids and just the diversity was like so beyond your standard public meeting. And that's the kind of public involvement that it does take uh, intention and it does take some resources, but the product in the end is so worth it. Yeah, I think that there's a lot to be said for having events that um, are kid-friendly because you, if you don't have that, you lose out on those voices. Because parents, are, you know, speaking from somebody that has a four and a six-year-old, parents are very, very busy, and um, you know, so so creating an event where you know you give people the ability to share their voice while also having something for their kids to do for a couple hours is, is definitely super important. So right, and it's it's. It's civic engagement that we're modeling in front of the next generation. Right. Like it just goes so far. Yeah. So I'm really excited and encourage people to come on down to the park blocks. September 12th, it's a Thursday, 4.30 to 7.30. I'm sure we'll be there a little after that. Mm-hmm. And have a good time. Great. Um, so I want to take a few minutes here at the end uh, to kind of talk a little bit about um, we've got a city council hearing. This is more just, uh, you know, not necessarily um, Julie's you know area of expertise necessarily, but I, I do want to just kind of mention it for the listeners. Um, so on September 9th, um, I'll be there. Uh, there'll be some other, uh, you know, friends of the INBI movement um, showing up to city council to, uh, you know, make our voices heard on a couple different topics. Um uh, you know, I uh, I think that it's a really good uh, opportunity to give our um, you know last uh, effort. It's the last opportunity to speak publicly, um, you know, before City Council about the ADU code amendments that we're trying to get in place. Um, currently on the table, uh, they have um, non-owner occupancy, uh, you know, as, as something that they're going to be removing from the requirements for ADUs and a couple of others. But there's a variety of other code restrictions that are not related to siting and design that we really want them to include in these changes. Um, so hopefully we can uh, you know, make our voices heard and, and get as 
many ADUs built as possible. Um, for those of you that haven't heard in previous podcasts, let's talk about this. ADUs are accessory dwelling units. So um, it's basically outbuildings that people can build on their properties. We're trying to create a situation where more of those can be built in Eugene. Um, and uh, you know, Springfield has really kind of paved the way. They, they've lifted a lot of their code restrictions and we wanna try to do the same thing in Eugene um, to try to get as many of those built as possible. It's an organic way to increase housing density without you know creating a, a tax burden or, or a burden on the on the city um, and then the other thing that I will be talking about and, and I'm happy to have this conversation more with people uh, whether it be online or uh, by email is um, advocating for uh, the Ferry Street Manor development um, uh, you know, we want to, uh, you know, there's a lot of opponents to um, people receiving uh, MUKTI funds, the multi-unit property tax exemption. And, um, you know, this is uh, this is a, a way that although there would be tax exemption in the first 10 years, there's opportunity for there to be a lot of um, city taxes, you know, you know, farther down the line in the future. So, um so yeah, if you wanna if you wanna have that conversation, if you wanna talk more about it, please reach out to me, Daniel Ivy, online. I'm happy to have more uh, more in depth uh, conversations about that. I know I've already had a bunch, um, but um, but yeah, so that's that's kind of what we're looking at coming up. Uh, and then uh, Yimby uh, Eugene Springfield will also be having a table at uh, Eugene Sunday Streets um, the day of the uh, Eugene Parade. Um, that's on September 22nd. Um, so we'll be having, uh, we haven't finalized what uh, games or activities we'll be having uh, for people to kind of participate in, but we'll have lots of great information and ways to sign up to our newsletter um, uh, for uh, people that want to uh, stay engaged with Yimby Eugene Springfield. So um, any uh, parting thoughts before we uh, kind of go offline here, Julie? Is that... Uh... I just appreciate the work you're doing. Yeah. Glad you. to show up, have Excellent. a chat. And um, yeah, just like you feel, anyone feel free to find me online um, to share your thoughts, have a conversation, yeah. sit down for tea. And that is, Kajito is spelled C-O-G-I-T-O. Partners.com. Uh, Partners.com. And yeah, you can, uh, you can find it pretty easily online. So uh, thanks so much for being on the pod and uh, we'll be signing out.